Welcome back, No Cap Sports, episode 12, man. It's been a minute since we came to y'all, so we got a special NBA-heavy episode for y'all. So before we get started, you know what I said, this is episode 12, the John Moran episode, MVP, all that. But before we get into the NBA-heavy stuff, Josh, hit us with that fire, man. Man, appreciate you, Nate. Um, it's been a, a wild couple of weeks in the music industry. First of all, uh... You know, we do this podcast as uh, aspiring sports media members, friends, all this. But uh, let me ask you guys a serious question. How are how is your guys' mental health right now? I mean, my mental health straight. You know what I'm saying? That's good to hear. What, what about you, Vance? Hey, I'm in a... I ain't gonna lie, Vance. It's like you in heaven right now. No cap. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, it's like you bro. in heaven. Like... Thanks, bro. You know, that's how my life is, bro. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a good space right now, bro. You know, I, I see. Obviously, come back to earth, bro. But um, you know, a lot wow. of people, I mean, it looks like I know cap, bro. It looks like you in heaven. It like you could have like some <laughs> angel wings on this side, but it's cool nonetheless. Don't get my line, Not lying. Why ashtray in heaven? Uh, no. never mind. Bro. Never mind. It's a euphoria joke, bro. Oh, I thought it was something different. But nonetheless, some uh, some good music came out of the city. Um, a couple of days ago, you know, Big Scar, one of the um, hottest stars on uh, Gucci Man's 1017's roster, one of the ones that's not in jail, thankfully. Um, he kind of dropped what essentially was a uh, deluxe to his debut album, uh, Big Grim Reaper. You can find it on Apple Music as uh, Big Grim Reaper The Return. Um, I think you said it was 13 new tracks, Nick, if I'm not yes. right. Um, Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Big Scar fan. Me and Vance, I think, are, you know, or share that that scar fandom. I think uh, even when Pooh was, you know, had his thumb, had it, had his his foot on the game really tough. I was still, you know, leaning towards Scar as the, you know, the my favorite Team Seventeen member. I think like I can say man shared that sentiment. So uh, you know, going on, you look at the uh, the new song that he's added onto the mixtape. Um, Apple Music, you know, usually puts a star by you know songs that get that consideration uh, notorious or you know good or you know this, this is a song you need to check out. Um, I, this is the first time I've seen somebody go third hundred percent on you know new songs on their uh, on our album. Even on my terms, the whole uh, I guess what you call side B didn't have stars by it, but Apple Music put a star. But all 13 of Scar's new songs, you know, additions, like I said, it's essentially like a deluxe slash EP on top of his original debut album. Uh, my favorite song on there is uh, MJ's him, MJ, titled MJ with him. And I guess his little, uh, little 1017 slash double R affiliate, uh, Quez Ruthless. Some, another, another young guy that I like um, that's kind of bubbling in the city a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely have high expectations. I didn't even know it dropped, honestly. I don't know where I've been. Are you well, I'm definitely gonna check it out. But uh, moving from one region of the country to the next, um, a region of the country I discussed at length my previous five segments, um, and a guy that I'm really excited about. It's kind of a similar situation in Michigan, kind of filling in the shoes of um, a, a guy taking a vacation. We'll say it like that. RMC Mike, man. Um, I I can guess. I'm gonna ask just because it's the right thing to do. Have y'all heard of RMC Mike? Yes. No. Yeah, Nick. Tell me what you know about him. Uh, he's from Detroit. He had a song with Yachty. That's about all I know. Like Nick said, he grew up in uh, you know, the Detroit slash Michigan slash Midwest rap scene. You know, really close. A lot of uh, 
the the current Michigan guys I right now. And obviously the guy that I see that was kind of the head honcho, a uh, real young OG. They're really tight. They have two mixtapes together. They have a kind of a series talking about reckless. Um, and yeah, man, they uh they just really make good music together. And uh, you know, best song, best song, angry, I N G R E E. I see it. it. Off of his with him and uh, Rio. It got a very gritty, very just you know Detroit type of sound, dog. And you know, as Nick knows, both of you guys know, I'm not um. I lean more towards the origins of the bones of New York style rapping versus the, the, the Playboy Cardi, tight jeans era, paint your nails era that, you know, a lot of these guys are in nowadays. Hey, bro, that's, hey, bro, I wasn't even, I, I that's crazy. I wasn't even thinking about you. I was thinking about Thug, but yeah, you did that too. That's crazy. He's able to do a lot of different things in the booth, able to, you know, spit the, the, the gun talk, the drug talk, but also, to open up his heart, open up his soul a little bit. And again, he's also somebody with a similar scar. He's a very unique voice. Like, you're not going to, like, his ad libs, you know, it's him. You know, his voice, you know, it's him. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, I've been doing a good job of putting on a y'all artists, you know, for the past couple of weeks. I kind of wanted to continue the trend. Somebody that I've been, you know, bumping a lot. And like I said, him, Benny the Butcher, the whole Gazelda, you know, I just kind of been leaning into that, uh, you know, that real rap. No, nah, like it just as like I said, you know, when you hear some, you hear certain accents, you hear certain things, you know, good music gonna come from, and uh, you know, RMC Mike's in a position to where, you know, he could be on a very similar trajectory as a scar. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that fire in your ear, that flavor here for this week. Now shifting over to our focus, NBA heavy. We just had the trade deadline pass by last week, and the biggest deal of that trade deadline was the moves the Nets and the 76ers made. So what happened is the Nets ship off James Harden and Paul Millsap to Philly. In return, Brooklyn got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks, 2022 and 2027. Now, the crazy thing about this trade is the big three in Brooklyn of Kyrie, Harden, and KD only played a total of 16 games together. So looking at this trade, just first thoughts, first reactions, who won this trade? I don't think it's close. I think the Philadelphia 76ers won this trade. And I don't think it's I don't think it's even close, bro. First mm-hmm. of all, let, let's look at Brooklyn. Let's not even think about Philly. Let's think about Brooklyn right now. Brooklyn, they they their star shooting guard, point guard, whatever you want to play, is injured. Kyrie uh Ben Simmons or whatever, whatever's wrong with him, he's not gonna be back anytime soon. Kyrie can't even play. They uh just lifted a mandate, they said he still can't play. So we don't know when they're gonna come back at all. So now let's go to Philly. The best guard, big man combo in the league, probably. And B going to give you 30 and 10, 30 and 15. Harden probably going to give you around the same numbers, a triple-double, a 25-point triple-double. Yeah, That's going to be hard to beat, especially in the Eastern Conference. I, they're clearly the favorites now. Mm. Josh, what, mm. what you thinking, bro? Um, you know, I got to, you know – this, this is why I do a podcast. You guys, you guys are smart. You know, theory, theoretically, um, this trade is supposed to make both teams better. You get, um, you get a guy to pair with Embiid. I think the best teammate that Embiid's ever had in James Harden. He's the first time he's ever played with another MVP candidate. And uh, in Brooklyn, you get all the things. That Jimmy Butler? You... Question mark. I was thinking What's Jimmy too. I, I think Jimmy better than Harden. You don't think James Harden better than Jimmy Butler? Uh. I... They embrace the game teammates. in different ways. 
Yeah, bro. They, they both. Well, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy, been to a I'll finals. just say this. Yeah, Jimmy I'll Butler has been to a finals. Jimmy's been to the finals. James Harden has an MVP. Jimmy, Jimmy's been to the finals. Jimmy put that Heat team on his I, back when they went to the finals. I, I will take. I will take an MVP over uh, going to the finals anytime, any day of the week. But okay, I think okay, that saying. is true. That is true. I would take that too. It looks better. But I think deep anyway, down inside, bro, give me, give me Jimmy B. No, I mean, they was, you know, Kawhi doesn't hit that shot. I think a lot of things look different, honestly. But it's, um, no, at this point, bygones be bygones. But yes. regardless, you know, this is something that, you know, Brooklyn, like I said, you know, you get one of the best teammates that admitted that play with. And in Brooklyn, you get all the things that, uh, you know, you're theoretically struggling at rebounding, defense, shot blocking, you know, auxiliary playmaking. You know, Ben Simmons does all those things at a you know all-star level. That's why you were able to trade him for James Harden, despite the fact that you know he has not played this season, and um, he's not a guy that's an all-star starter to begin with. Although Andrew Wiggins started this year, and I think Ben Simmons may be better than Andrew Wiggins right now. But regardless, um, because of all the things that Van said, you know, that takes the theoretical. You take take it from theoretical to actuality, and um, yeah. You know, Seth Curry looks good on Brooklyn. Andre Drummond just blocks Giannis. But um, even if Ben Simmons is the guy that we remember him to be, to be all defensive, you know, defensive player of the year candidate, you know, 15, 10, and 8 on weekly basis, nightly basis, um, it's not really going to matter, honestly, until, like, the second round of the playoffs. Even Brooklyn should get a good matchup in the first round. Um, and, yeah, they didn't uh, – you know, Ben Simmons has – even James Harden, to a certain extent, has, have already proven to be outstanding regular season players. But um, they're at the point in their careers where, you know, regular season accolades aren't going to do much for them. So they need to be successful in the postseason. You know and, what's uh, wild, bro? Talk to bro, me. Brooklyn is the eight seed in the East. Yeah, They lost 11 straight after they lost KD, bro. I was about but to they say, they was on like a – a double digit losing streak at one point. Yikes. They did not they they're they're not that much different from that Lakers team, honestly. Uh, let, pump the brakes. Who better? Who better right pump, now? The Lakers pump, or the or the pump Knicks? The brakes. I mean KD's better than LeBron the, right now. Pump the brakes. Oh. Pump the brakes. The Nets are better than the Lakers. Oh. And the Nets also won this trade, believe it or not. Because what's gonna happen is I'm telling y'all this right now. Yo. Teams aren't going to stop. The Harden and B pick and roll is no stopping it. But what hurt Philadelphia the most in that trade was losing Seth Curry. That's your best shooter, your number one sniper, guy shooting 41% from three. You got Embiid who relies, gets all his points. You're overthinking it, Nick. I'm not overthinking <laughs> it. I'm not overthinking nope. it, bro. Doc Rivers tra- traded his grandkids to Brooklyn. He traded his grandkids to Brooklyn. just got traded and you worry about Seth Curry. Yes, because Seth Curry, is, in, in my opinion, bro. Not Dale. <laughs> the, the third string Curry. Uh, not even uh, the second. Listen, listen, listen. Because if, if you look at it, if you think about it, in theory, James Harden and Ben Simmons straight up, that's about a net even. You know what I'm saying? Either one. Yeah. Doesn't sweep. Not <laughs> really, but okay. Bro, I'm saying fit for both teams. Harden is going to be a plus for Philadelphia. Simmons is going to be a plus for Brooklyn. You got to think about, uh, you talked about Kyrie. When they play those home games, their only ball handler is Paul. It's not Paul Millsap, Patty Mills. Now you have a second ball handler, and you also just signed Goran Dragic uh, from the waivers. 
So now you've taken care of your ball handling. You've got a, you know what I'm saying, a surefire point guard who will be able to play in every game. That's big time right there by itself. And what you also bring in with Ben Simmons is his defensive ability. And now you can play a, a, like a variety of small ball lineups. Imagine a lineup with Ben Simmons at the four and KD at the five. Nick, answer Sounds this. like a lot of not rebounding. Right, right. Answer this. Finish the sentence. James Harden is a top blank player in the league. I'd say he's about top 12 now. All right, finish the sentence. Ben Simmons is a top blank player in the league. Ben Simmons is a top 15 player. I say he's Oh, my God. He's, he's he's bro. He's what between. are you doing, bro? bro. Like, come on, it's too late. I, we be talking like <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of people put too much stock into what happened in last year's postseason. And what happened in last year's postseason was bad, don't get me wrong. But a lot of that was a product of Doc Rivers' coaching. Hold on, Nick. Hold on. I a lot of it was a product of Doc Rivers' I got to stop you, dog. Doc Rivers took him off the ball, put saying. him in the dunker spot, and took the ball out of his hands. It's been Simmons, a 6'9 point guard. I can't be effective. Without the ball in my hands, I what was he supposed to up. do, Nick? He I wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna the shoot ball. the ball. He had no choice. With the coaching, took the ball out of his hands, so he didn't have the chance to shoot the ball. I think that's the part that gets it overlooked. Was, was there like are situations where he didn't. He refused to shoot the ball. There are situations where that happened, but a majority of the time, for that six, seven game span, the ball was taken out of his hands, and his role was limited. Now he's going to Brooklyn, a place to where he can regain that full role as a guy. Who's gonna? He's gonna have less of a role than Kyrie. Don't get me wrong, but he's gonna be a guy who can create his own <laughs> offense, pass the ball around, and he's basically gonna be what James Harden was in Brooklyn, a, a secondary playmaker, and that's where he's gonna thrive at. <laughs> like this nigga just did something we never have little, we never have literally never seen before. A snap. We've seen holdouts, but he set out a season because of his mental health. You like. Oh, he- he set out a season because he didn't want to be in Philadelphia because Doc Rivers didn't use him right in the playoffs, and everybody tried to bash him. When that really is not justify. I mean, he no, got Doc fine. is slime ball, bro. Exactly, bro. I mean, Doc is Doc not is one also, of these coaches that also, gets bullied by players either. Yeah, but he's also one of the worst coaches in NBA history. He didn't blew three. Doc, Doc he's blown three three-one leads. He's blown three three-one leads. So That's I'm just gonna leave that. Say about LeBron, he's. He had a losing record in the finals. How tough is it to get to the Doc finals? Doc Rivers is mid if you keep it Exactly. Oh, Doc Rivers is very mid. Doc Rivers is a Hall of Fame coach. He has won a championship. One. Um, one championship. Okay, guess who else has a, a cha- one championship? Aaron Rodgers. So, whatever. He's one of the Aaron Rodgers is a player, about. not a coach. Aaron Rodgers also isn't a GM who can bring in whoever he wants. But continue. Doc Rivers is not mid. He may not be Za or the runs pack that all the young kids like, but he's better than me. So you you know who Doc Rivers is? Doc Rivers is the the Mike McCarthy of the NBA, bro. That's a fact. Head star players carry him to one one little title, bro. That's what happened. It's not a a fact at all. It is a fact. You talk about yeah, it's not Black History Month anymore. Couldn't win with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Couldn't win with Jimmy Butler and be. Just that's what I'm saying, dog. That Kawhi misses that shot, and a lot of things look different. They go to the finals that year. You never Nobody's know. Nobody's talking bad about Ben Simmons. <laughs> For real. That's what I'm, I mean. No, I ain't gonna lie. No, that's not true. Because he's. I feel no, like he's it still. Is true. 
No, Doc Rivers had nothing to do with him passing up that wide open Doc versus Atlanta. He had nothing to do with that. That was last year. Toronto was two years ago. That's what I'm saying. And so that two years those ago events are not affected by each two other. Two years ago in the playoffs, Ben Simmons was pretty hooping, playing good defense. Getting Again, when he still it was crazy. Throws, that was three years ago, actually. Oh, that was three years ago. Was and guess years. what still had to happen, Nick? He still had to play the dunker spot. They he still wasn't. changed his role. They kept him on the ball three years ago. So three years ago, Kawhi hit that shot. Last year, Ben Simmons had the most epic flame out in terms of, you know, mental, lack of mental toughness that anybody has ever seen on a national stage. So, yes, theoretically, both of these teams should be better. Theoretically, yes. But in actuality, James Harden has won an MVP and was a cold shooting streak away from making the NBA Finals against a top 10 player and a top five team ever in Steph Curry and the Warriors. And last time we seen Ben Simmons play, which was, again, last season because he got so scared of Doc Rivers, apparently, or intimidated by Philadelphia fans that he can't play there anymore. Um, yeah, that doesn't – for a guy that hasn't been as good as Philadelphia needed him to be, hasn't fulfilled expectations, has had character-slash-commitment concerns since LSU, you know, this is – I don't think he's going to be the perfect piece now that everybody thought he was going to be when he came out of LSU, when they paired him with Embiid, when he was the point guard of the future. Like, we've been giving Ben Simmons these superlatives since he was, like, 15 years old. They got nothing to do with Joel Embiid. That dude needs to really act and do the things he did. And it, it's not that hard, bro. He's not the first guy to come in the league as a non-shooter. Just learn how to shoot the basketball ball. It would be one thing if he wasn't a basketball player, but he kind of gets paid to do this. Josh, I agree with but, you, bro. Ben Simmons is mid. It's just that Doc Rivers is too. Yeah. And also, bro, you remember how last year when – I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. Oh, hold on, hold on. When the Nets, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, remember how, you remember how last year when the Nets got uh, Blake Griffin and he had that Duncan drought in his first game with the Nets, he dunked? Yeah. I got a feeling Ben Simmons, first game with the Nets, sidestep three from the wing. Everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they they gonna realize this guy is an actual hooper, and he's just had to get in the right situation. I feel like he might not hit the side step three. That was a little exaggeration, but I feel like you'll see a prime Ben Simmons, not a prime, but a very complimentary Ben Simmons, and what that Nets team needs at this current moment, especially once KD gets back, and you see once you see that full big three, you'll see the image: Ben Simmons, KD, Kyrie, Seth Curry. It, it'll be beautiful. That's all I gotta say. Nobody putting Seth Curry in the picture, bro. I mean, that's I was about to say, that. why do you keep throwing Seth, Seth Curry? Throwing, he throwing the name around like some parsley, like, bro. Stop. <laughs> I'll say it like this, though. I'll say it like this. Y'all keep calling Dar Rivers mid again. I don't think he's that Zah, but he's not mid. He, this is not the first time he's worked with a non-shooting primary ball handler. Anybody remember Rajon Rondo? Remember, anybody know how? How bad of a shooter he was, how reluctant he was but to he, shoot. He wasn't oh. a terrible free throw shooter. People weren't playing hacker Rondo. He wasn't shooting. I can guarantee Rondo wasn't shooting more than 70% from the line, though. But it, so was like, good, it was good enough to where you wouldn't hack him and just send him to the line in the third quarter with I 10 mean, minutes left that, on the clock. In that, in that era of basketball, that tactic, I mean, it, outside of Shaq, 
that tactic wasn't really employed like that. So, hell, if Rondo still plays, well, Rondo does play. Who he plays for, by the way? The Clippers from, if Rondo was as bad of a shooter as he was now, as he was maybe because he's gotten a lot better, I bet a lot of people would try to hack up Shaq on Rondo. But, again, and that, they were going against a team that was infinitely better than that Trey Young Hawks team. They were only going up against prime LeBron. And it's just like, you know, again, Doc Rivers is a championship head coach. Doc Rivers um, has coached multiple Hall of Famers. Doc Rivers, you know, a lot of these coaches, you don't know their Did he coach Hall of Famers or did he inherit Hall of Famers? It's a big difference there, by the way. I mean, Nick, we have seen coaches get Hall of Famers and not have the success that they're supposed to have. Like, it's, it's, it happens. I mean, you got to get somebody credit for doing what they're supposed to do still, especially nowadays. Like, again, he was a guy that, yes, he has been given a lot of talent, but shit, we had we're literally in a city right now where we're seeing a it's talking about Penny Hardaway. A lot of talent does not mean success on the basketball court. So yes, been has Doc Rivers been placed in favorable situations? Yeah, of course he has. But he's done what he needed to do. And you can I don't think you can blame I don't know why Ben Simmons is mad at Doc Rivers, honestly, because he said he was hesitant to say he's the point guard of the future after you just cost us a trip to the finals. Like, I don't think that's I don't, I don't understand why he doesn't want to play. Like, A, why, why, what is his problem with Philadelphia? And B, why are we at a place in sports and society where somebody can basically pout their way out of a situation? I wouldn't call it well, pouting. Well, the contract in place. It's not pouting your way out of a situation. As a player, you're a number one overall draft pick. And the kind of like the centerpiece of that team, him and Joel Embiid were the centerpieces of the process. Remember mm, it? Joel Embiid was the the piece he everybody else was it was Joel Embiid and these these other guys that's what they you don't them. you don't tank year after year for just one player I'm sorry that's not how it works I'm just saying brother even in those last minute sands he killed Ben Simmons confidence which is a major thing for a hooper that I think a lot of people don't realize and like Ben Simmons can still hoop let's just not forget that this guy's a guy who is a multiple time All Star defensive first team all of that good stuff. So let's not forget that Ben Simmons can actually hoop. But y'all both are wrong. Dude, but yeah, next dude, time. Like this is not a like, bro. This is no. I don't know how you just explained it. Honestly, I was trying to listen, but it didn't make a lot of sense. We're all athletes here. You gotta if you show do camp out of shape, you show if you're a receiver, Nick. If you show propensity to not be able to catch the ball, which your job, job to do as a receiver is to catch the ball, you're not going to get any playing time. They're, your coach is not going to sit you aside and be like, well, Nick, what's, how's your mental health causing you to drop these passes? Or what can we do? You need? Like, no, bro. It's even at your level. It's a cut and dry business, bro. You're not producing the results we need. Get him out of here. Try the next guy. Take right. the ball out of his hand. Last example. Last example. Last example. Amari Cooper in Oakland. Started struggling. Goes to Dallas. 1,000-yard season, 1,000-yard season, 1,000-yard season. Where you're at matters, believe it or not. And I think that's the case with Ben Simmons. We've seen it multiple times before. Seen it with James Harden in Houston before he got to Brooklyn. Seen it with James Harden out. His last game in Brooklyn, he had two points and I want to say six turnovers. His first game in Philadelphia, he got 26 and 15. Who do you think going to the finals, Nate? Who do I think goes to the finals? Out the East. I'm going to say that for later. <laughs> wink, wink. That was Please so do weird. not say Brooklyn. Yeah, that, that's weird. Please that do not say Brooklyn. Weird. 
Now, moving on to the other moves of the trade deadline. We're not going to go into each and every move. So, instead, what we're going to do, we're going to pick our best move from the trade deadline, talk about it a little bit, and then we're going to talk about our worst moves from the trade deadline. So, I'm going to go first. I'd say the best move from the trade deadline was the Hornets picking up Montrez Hero. It's a major win for the Hornets. You look at what uh, the Hornets were struggling with before the All-Star break, before the trade deadline. They were 22nd in bench points with only 34.3. Bringing in Montrose, you bring in a guy who's a former six-man of the year, 2020 with the Clippers, and he can add a scoring punch uh, like he did that year and like he continues to do with the Wizards. Uh, with the Wizards, he had 14.1 points, shooting 64% from the field with six rebounds coming off the bench. And so I think this is a big move for the Hornets. You solidify that bench, which is crucial, especially down the stretch. And in those playoffs slash play-in games, this Hornets want to take that next step into becoming a real deal contender in the East. So by doing that, they formidable. By doing that, they solidified their bench. And I also think they kind of added to the chemistry of that team. Because if you think about it, Trez and Terry Rozier played at Louisville together. And I think Trez is also a good fit with LaMelo Ball and that running gun style that Young Hornets team plays. Mm. No, I definitely you – know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that 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 trade, Nick. I definitely thought that uh, – um, I don't say that, that the Hornets, all they really needed was, you know, a kind of a working man. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges – those are more, uh, you know, stretch forward guys that play on the perimeter. So they needed a guy to rebound, block shots, you know, do all the bit of work. And Montrez is more than happy to do that. But for me, my best trade, um, I can say I can think it was one that uh, helped out both teams, if I'm not mistaken. Or the Pelicans Blazer trade. Um, obviously, we know the situation with Zion going on, his lack of availability, um, the secrecy around that whatever um but the pelicans just added uh an all-star level guy for essentially role players josh harden the alexander walker um man not gonna move the needle in the playoff series um good guys not even you know josh hart can be a good solid rotation guy on the winning uh, championship team don't know if nikhil alexander walker is uh at even at that level but uh nonetheless that's a good core, man. You got Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, um, Herb Jones looks like a you know a guy that's gonna stick with them for a while. Yeah, as I said, that doesn't sound as great as I thought it was, but still, you know, you have two guys that can go get their own shot at any point, and uh, you know to surround that around hypothetically Zion, um, that's great. And even again, um, if he, we never see Zion at the peak of his power again. You have two guys that can get their own shot at, at an all-star level, which is kind of what the NBA is based around a little bit. And uh, like I said, this is a trade I thought helped both teams. So for the Blazers, um, I just talked about they didn't really get anybody back of significant value. But um, for them, at least it appears like this is a trade, to, you know, addition by subtraction situation. Uh, you know, Anthony Simons, a guy that's been bubbling for the past couple years, you know, Don Contest winner, you know, IMG, somebody that, you know, we're intimate, intimately familiar with, with his high school recruitment. Um, he looks like uh, he looks like he's ready to be Dane's running mate. You know, just killed the Grizzlies recently, um, had a really big night um, last night. Had a really big night against Atlanta, went head to head with Trey Young. That's a dude, man, his combination of athleticism and uh, shooting ability, that's, that's rare. That's, they, he's on the 
the Zach Levine level of I could be in a dunk contest and a three-point contest. Like, he's at that level. So, man, that dude is, you know, he he's a guy that looks like he could potentially be a lot better than C.J. McCollum. So, for them to, you know, kind of get him out of there and make room for Simons and like have to develop, especially now with Dame Hurt, I think it was the best trade for both teams. Yeah. And I just kind of want to chime in on what you said about the Pelicans. If you're a Pelicans fan, you should be hoping that they build around B.I. and C.J. McCollum. Just going to leave it at that. Yeah, bro. Uh, is that something you to build around, though? Really? Is that, is I, mean, that, I, I, I think that's a, a nice court of pills have, bro. Honestly. Yeah. Next season, if, if Zion is who he, who he needs to be, who we want him to be, I, I think the Pels going to definitely be a, a top four seed. I think even if, without if, Zion. If, he, if he's, if he's coming how he's supposed to. I don't even think you need Zion for that team to be good. Uh, yeah, that's true. For Brandon Ingram could, could have replaced Andrew Wiggins in, in the All-Star game. Andrew Wiggins wouldn't have made it if he wouldn't name the starter. I, I, I agree 100%. So, you got, like I said, two guys that have the ability to get 30 on any night, even if Zion's not there or not. That's, you know, those two guys, the, I think that's at least a 500 team, honestly. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because even LeBron doesn't guarantee you 500, 500 now. So, those two guys, you know, CJ's a little deficient defensively. Brandon Ingram isn't the toughest guy. He's getting a lot better. But you got guys that can shoot, pass, dribble, very basic. That's something that the league is trending towards. And they have two, good, two dudes that can do it at a high volume efficiently. Okay, my best trade. Uh, I'm going to go with a team that made two trades at the trade deadline, actually. And that's a team that's trending towards the right direction at the right time. Uh, both of their star players are gelling, and that's the Boston Celtics. What they did was at the trade deadline, they got rid of Dennis Schroeder. You know, there's too many chefs in the kitchen. You got Jalen Brown, you got Tatum already. You know, you don't need a score. So they got rid of Schroeder, cut off the fat with Edith's Freedom and uh, Bruno Fernando, and they traded for Daniel Tice. So you think, ah, this is not really anything. They already had Tice. What they did for a replacement of the point guard, they got Derek Wright from the San Antonio Spurs. They got a solid point guard. Out of that, that San Antonio system, oh, my goodness, that was bad. Anyways, <laughs> San Antonio system, they traded – so they traded Josh Richardson, Romeo Lankford, uh, and a, a first-round pick. So to the Spurs, the Spurs got a first-rounder out of it, giving away Derek White. Derek White is a solid player, but he's not really going to be needed with uh, Josh's favorite player, DeJounte Murray, you know, uh, leading the way at point guard for the Spurs. So I, I, I think they both won that trade – but I like what the Celtics are doing. I think yeah, they're really. It's his fault, Nick. You said what? So DeJounte just got 52 dropped. He had like. He just went stopper. out and dropped all 52 on DeJounte Murray. He really did like, it on the whole team. That's the sad part. That's what I'm saying. Yaka nah, Pearl got, got him a nice little four, four points tonight. That dunk count for at least two 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 scores. So it wasn't DeJounte's fault. The whole team again, who's on? I've never seen that. I'm talking about John. But they tried to double him. He still got it. By the way. Like, what are you talking he about? He running right past y'all like a little, like his peewee football, bro. I ain't never seen that. <laughs> you talking about DeJounte Murray, like the rest of the league is trying to figure out how to guard John Morant. You said, you still said Zion better, bro. So, I don't know. <laughs> Nick, Nick Hayes, what, what is your worst trade? For me, my worst trade, 
it's going to set the Kings back another five years, bro. The Kings are the worst franchise in the NBA, bro. They shouldn't even be named the Kings, bro. It should be the Sacramento Peasants because I just don't understand what's going on, bro. How do you draft a guy in Tyrese Halliburton two years ago? A point guard, shooting guard combo, right? Supposed to be the running mate to De'Aaron Fox. And then you follow that up by drafting Davion Mitchell. That's not even where it gets bad. With De'Aaron Fox already there. It, 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 that's not where it gets bad at. And then you got a guy in Halliburton, a guy who seems like he's the perfect running mate for De'Aaron Fox, a guy who's a true point guard, put up 5.3 assists his first season, shooting 40% from three, follows that up his sophomore season with seven assists a game, shooting 41% from three. That's a perfect match for De'Aaron Fox, right? A guy who's a slasher, more of a scorer, not a true point guard, right or wrong? Right. Instead, you choose the guy who averages 10 points, shooting 31% from three, and only averages three assists to be Fox's running mate. Please tell me why, how that makes sense at all. So basically what I'm trying to say is the Kings Today really – Davion Mitchell is dark-skinned. Sure. That's how What I'm saying is the Kings had the worst move of the trade deadline in trading Tyrese Halliburton. But you get some good pieces back, kind of with Amante Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb. But losing Halliburton is a move that is going to doom the Kings. You look at Halliburton, he was a guy who was focused and really wanted to change that Kings culture, turn that into a winning environment. On February 9th, he said, I refuse to let the culture of what the Kings have been in the past take over. I'm going to help fix that. That's the kind of guy you need in your locker room. That's the kind of guy who's going to set the ship straight. And that's the kind of guy who can get you to winning basketball. But instead, you know what? The Kings don't want to be winners. They want to be losers. So they send them to Indiana. And guess what Indiana gets? A bona fide hooper. So for that, I say the Kings have the worst move of the trade deadline. And I think whoever owns the Kings, I think it's Vlade Divac. I think he should be fired. Yeah, very good points. Uh, I think that Vlade Divac has the basketball intelligence of a special needs child. But I just think that's kind of flow through the Kings organization. So I don't know, bro. But well, I, I will put it like this. Last year, De'Aaron Fox, over 25 points a game, over seven assists. Um, all-star candidates, um, big number shows how big, how important shooting is. Thirty-two percent from three this year. Twenty, a little over twenty-one, a little over five is the game. Shooting twenty-six percent from three. So if Darren Fox is apparently, and he is the guy that you're, you know, running this franchise around, um, he's got to be able to shoot the ball better than that. And I think that a lot of his perception about him is based on how well he shoots the ball, which. It's kind of been a struggle area for him. But for me, my worst trade is just something that had kind of – when I looked at it, I was like, ugh. Um, and that is the trade of Chris Tatum-Prazingis to the Wizards, and they're getting Davis Bertans and Spencer Dimwitty in return. Um, yeah, Chris Tatum-Prazingis, what, three years ago when he was in New York, was kind of like the future of the NBA, talking about unicorn, shot-blocking, three-point shooting combination. Um Mighty how the world turns. We have had a whole pandemic since then. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, somebody that's been ineffective with Luca for a while. But I think based on name recognition and the fact that he was still able to protect the rim and rebound, that um, he kind of did a lot of things that, uh, you know, Dallas needed. Now the taller guy outside of Boban on Dallas' team I think is – Big guy, I think, because I don't think Davis Bartans or Max Kleber count as big guys. I think uh, Dorian Finney-Smith coming in at a whopping 6'5". So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a 
little bit of trouble. So I don't know what they're gonna do about. Oh, they got they got Dwight Powell still, but even then, the bigs for Dallas uninspiring. So to give the best one you have, whatever. Um, again, he hasn't been playing that well, but um, you know, Chris Evans was the guy that was an All Star a couple years ago. There was you. Could, oh, I don't know if he ever been an All Star team in Houston, but he was still a guy that you could have got big stuff for. And yet, you get Davis Bertans, who is uh, top five with contracts in the league, a and a shooter that can't shoot. That's never good. And you got a guy, especially Dimwitty, that already you have somebody that does a lot of the same similar things in terms of Jalen Brunson. I don't know if they're kind of planning for it in terms of them not being able to keep him or, you know, I guess, you know, more auxiliary ball handling for Luca. But, um, and it's crazy because I say this because they literally just came back last night from like a 20 point deficit versus the Warriors. And Dimwitty was a big part of it. But even, no, I don't. I don't have a recency bias. I just think long term it doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, got pretends. Literally one of the worst players in the league. Again, a shooter that can't shoot. Never a good combination. And again, you know, guys, especially the way that, you know, it was a reason why he was available. Struggled mightily in Washington. This so, season. so who lost their trade? They both, both did. Both teams. You get Washington gets a uh, Chris Tapperzingis corpse. And Dallas gets a shooter that can't. Ah, that's that was so crazy to me. Watching the game last night, they yeah. they was they was throwing it to Bert, like because I mean he's known as a shooter. And he's shooting like thirty five percent. That's not shooter territory. Hey, hold on. Why they got Bertans if they already got Cleaver? It's photocopy. It's the same thing they just did with Brunson and Dimwitty. Dimwitty's a little taller, can probably score a little better, but they do a lot of the same stuff. Nick. So that's why I said both teams. Prepare to lose. Again, Dallas, 20-point comeback win versus why well, I think is the best team in the league and talk about the Warriors. Dinwiddie, big part of that. But like Nick just said, you have a lot of guys that do similar things. Talking about Cleveland, talking about Bertans, talking about Dinwiddie, talking about Brunson. Um, and yeah, Dinwiddie, a good shooter. I don't know if he's a shooter that gives enough space to Luka that you desire. And again, you know, Davis Bertans. I can I can stop talking about him, honestly. So, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense for me. I know Dallas wanted to get Porzingis out of there, but uh, I don't know. I think uh, Dinwiddie and, uh, uh, I don't know, a Slovenian game member, I guess whatever, Davis Bertans. I think they, they could have did a little better than that. Mm, okay. I think we're on the same type of timing with both teams not exactly winning the trade. But it, here's the thing. One of these teams, they could win the trade but I think they need to fire their coach first. And that's between the Hawks and the New York Knicks. The Knicks, they picked up Cam Reddish in a trade for Kevin Knox. Now, honestly, I think if they get rid of Tom Thibodeau, I just don't think it's a right a right fit. And that's just uh, being honest with you guys. Uh, he's not even playing Cam Reddish, utilizing him. He's healthy. He feels perfectly fine. But he, he, I think you need to give him his minutes. I think this, this, is, this is my type of thought process. Let's just say you get Cam Reddish – 30 minutes. He's happy playing. You got RJ Barrett. He's happy playing. Who's not to say Zion's gonna hit up his friends? Hey, y'all, y'all could y'all having fun in, in, in New York? Madison Square Garden. Who is he not to hit them up and be like, yeah, I want to come there too, bro? You know he'll come. That's his that's, that's his friend. Facts. That's facts. Teammates at Duke and the Knicks finally get the start that they've been praying for since Carmelo left. They struggled for Carmelo. They had to finesse for Carmelo. I think they're gonna have to do the same thing. They can get Zion. You're going to have to fire Thibodeau and, and get a coach that'll play Cam Riddish. 
Here's a so secret, that's... guys. Here's a secret. Carmelo was never as big as a star as we thought he was. Thank you. Want to score top ten scorer all time? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. What? You want to score? You said top ten player of all time? He said, said score, 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 score. All score, I was about to say. Score. I mean, yeah, but they already had a guy like Bernard King, so yeah, whatever. You hate no Melo. They were the number one seed. <laughs> I'm in not the East. hating on Melo. They were the number one they seed. They went to the one. They went to the second round of the playoffs one, and I'm hating. I mean, they was, they was playing while the Eagles were playing, bro. You can't really hate on it. Exactly. That's true. That's true. But you know what's crazy? They'll probably end up getting the 30 for 30 for making it to the second round one time. So, whatever. But it's, I don't really care that much, honestly. I will say uh, I will say this thing in terms of what you talked about, Vance. I'm a Cam Reddish fan. Been a Cam Reddish guy since Duke. And I agree with your sentiment that he's, you know, he's the guy that's he's been overshadowed for a long time. Going in the Duke, third option. Not many top, not many five star guys go to a school as a third option. Struggled there, you know. Came into Atlanta again. You talking about not fitting? You have a guy. I don't. I think they drafted them in the same draft. I'm talking about DeAndre no. Hunter and Cam Reddish. Again, two guys that do very similar things. And play very similar position. Talk about, and I think DeAndre Hunter is a better prospect right now in terms of what I bring to the table today than Kent Reddish. So it never really made sense. Um, again, we talked about this before on this podcast, referring to the, the I think the Hoop Mixtape video where he got Cole Anthony, Anthony Edwards, um, a number of NBA guys talking about who's the hardest to defend, and the consensus is Cam Reddish. Again, there's a reason why he averaged like 10 points at Duke and was a top 10 pick. Six, eight, six, nine guys with fluidity, you know, ball handling, shot creation. Those guys don't come around that much. There's a reason why he was hot for Atlanta. He was hot in the trade market. He had, like, two good games in the playoff, and he became, you know, this viable trade asset. Because, again, guys that look like that aren't coming off of trees. And literally, like you said, it's for Thibodeau to get, you know, a young guy like Reddish, there's no reason why he should be getting DNP CDs. That's – that's DMP, DCD, DACD, dumbass coaching decisions. You got a guy that, like you said, fits right in with the coach in terms of, I know this guy. I know one of your better players than RJ better. And then fits the next culture. Plus defender, long guy, you know, can get it out of transition. Like they could use a camp. You're telling me Cam Reddish can't get minutes over um, Eden Fournier or a Alan Burke, Burks. Emmanuel Quickly. You took like all these guys. I mean, these guys are getting twenty plus minutes. Cam Reddish can't get any. Doesn't make any sense. And again, you're damaging the the, the trade value of him. So, uh, yeah, good, 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 uh, good pigment. I mean, good, good pigments. We've now passed the All Star break, so now we're getting to that nitty gritty part of the season, to where you know what I'm saying. It's kind of that make it or break it point. So we're gonna look at these playoff races, and we're gonna look at some key storylines revolving the playoff races as we head down that home stretch. And so my first question to y'all, are the Lakers in trouble of not making the playoffs? Uh, Yeah, I guess I'll take it because Vance gained a shit face. By definition, they're in trouble of not making the playoffs. If uh, the, the Marion and COVID doesn't happen, they're currently outside of the playoff picture at nine and falling fast. So uh, yeah, man, like I said earlier, you know, LeBron is not 
He's not good. He's not good enough to guarantee you 50 wins. He's not good enough to guarantee you a playoff spot. And uh, this is something we should have seen coming for a while now. You know, the whole point of getting Anthony Davis was for LeBron to be more of a, a guy that's, you know, facilitated the third and uh, allowed AD to kind of take over that number one face of the franchise type role. And that hasn't happened by any stretch of the imagination. LeBron, third in NBA in points. Um, great clap your hands, but also um, first on the Lakers in um, field goal attempts and top 10 in that category. And uh, yeah, when you got Russell Westbrook on your team and you're leading the team in field goal attempts, um, something's not going right. I think that uh, we can all objectively say that the Russell Westbrook experiment has turned out bad personnel decision by LeBron, man. That's no other way to put it. Um, I got he, Buddy Hill. Should have got Buddy Hill. Or got Halliburton. That's <laughs> or Tyrese Halliburton. Or Tyrese Halliburton, actually. Oh, well, do yeah, the Rose will look good in purple and gold right now, but I think you know, Halliburton, I think that was the dude. That was their dude. The ball handling, the shooting, everything that, you know, you don't want LeBron to do that much of now, Halliburton does it really well. Even Buddy Hill, great shooter, not that good of a playmaker, not that good of a defender. So, yeah. But I don't, I don't know if the Lakers could have got Halliburton, honestly. But, uh, man, it's tough, dog. It's, I mean, yes, it's it's trendy to shit on Russell Westbrook right now. Yes, he's been playing horrible, all the means, whatever, whatever. Um, again, this is a guy that has won an MVP. This is a guy that redefined our expectations in terms of triple doubles. This is a guy that played with a prime Kevin Durant and decided I'm the better option. So it's uh it's disheartening, man. It's disheartening to see him just kind of fall so low. Even you know, last year, Washington, he was still a positive player. But, man, he's just been kind of a train wreck this season. Um, and, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, not – he's kind of – he's looking like – he's looking more like Chris Webber than um, Akeem Olajuwon, honestly. That's, you know – Who's it compared him to Olajuwon? Uh, that's true. That's very true. But, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be the best guy on the championship team, and it's more and more apparent that he can't be that. Who, you think so? I think he. I think he, the rest of the team is just trash. I think AD and LeBron are the truth. No, AD only had Listen, one playoff. AD, LeBron, Malik, AD only had one playoff appearance in New Orleans. Don't say that, bro. AD, LeBron, Malik Monk's probably third. Who's probably fourth? Austin Reeves, Carmelo. That's Russell Westbrook was supposed That's to be in third. All, all, like, come That's on. Oh, let, let, let's be realistic. Uh, is, is Russell Westbrook a top five player on their team right now? Probably just because it's I, a bad I would, team. I would, I would rather have Austin. By default, I'd rather have Malik Monk on the court. That's, that's I know it's oh. not only Black History Month, but you can't say that, bro. Mm, I mean, the way the way Russ hooping right now, hey, you know I like the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan. This is keeping it a stack. I still believe in them, but right now, just sit them down, bro. Here, here goes 20 minutes. Make the most out of it. <laughs> if Russell Westbrook wasn't comically bad, they could be good. But he's just that's what I'm saying. I bet his plus minus might make me, might give me diarrhea. I don't even want to. It's crazy. His stats are really just all normal stuff for the scoring. The scoring's down a little bit. He's doing everything else. I mean, but I don't then, think anything, everything huh? else was the problem. I just think that what the Lakers needed, which was scoring and shooting, he's unable to do either one of those with any well, What was your question, Nick? 
Uh, Wait, can it make playoff. the playoffs or play in? Playoffs. Because, you know, if you make the play in, if you're eight or nine, all you got to do is win one game. Yeah, but right bro. now. Right now, they're sending that I nine, think it's if you're seven three and a eight, half game. Nine and ten got to win two games. Seven, they got to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's um, correct. You're right. You're right. I'm tripping. So, right now, they're nine, three and a half games back from that coveted eight spot. I ain't even going to lie to you. They're not going to make the playoffs. I They'll make the play in by, like, a game or two, but they're not making the playoffs. Like, when you just look at let's just say they're the nine seed. They're not going to catch the Clippers or the Timberwolves. First of all, they got to beat the Pills, who they just lost to by 30 yesterday. I mean, you know, that, that's just a regular game. They'll probably have AD back, but mm, I mean, it's literally 50 50. It's a toss up. Then you got to go, let's just say, play the Clippers, who's probably going to have a healthy PG back, or the Timberwolves, one of the best young teams in the NBA, bro. And they got to win back to back. They have LeBron. It's very much so possible. The rest of the team has to be hooping. They can make it. I just think it's doubtful. I, I, I'm gonna say there's no way in hell they make the playoffs. Man. No way in hell, bro. Wouldn't say that. They, they have the hard, they have the hardest remaining strength of schedule in the West. The second hardest in the NBA. AD is probably gonna miss another four weeks, and the Lakers are negative four point seven with both LeBron and AD off the floor. The math just ain't adding up, bro. Like you said, they just got destroyed by the Pelicans on Sunday night, and in order for them to even have a chance of making the playoffs. Broad has to suit up and really hoop every night. He's 37 now. He's washed king. That's the crazy part. He's really been hooping. He's already yeah, he really has. His team is trash, bro. They don't play. LeBron doesn't play defense. I, bro, he hasn't been doing the like let pass five years. But he, he's he's gonna have to play defense this year, even if it goes takes his scoring down some. You got sacrifice. That's true. I know I shouldn't be talking to LeBron James about sacrifices, but if he want to make the playoffs this year, that's what he's gonna have to do. He just coasting until Bronny get to the league, bro. He not worried about nothing else except having that Will Smith moment, dog. That's all. <laughs> 25 a game. I mean, that's all he wants. You say he going to miss four weeks because that's, like, that's confirmed or you're just guessing? It's, it's confirmed. So, he's supposed to, damn, four weeks? Are there even four weeks left in the regular season? Yeah, it's 22 yeah. games left. With a like, it's got 22 man. games left. I mean, I still think that a healthy Anthony Davis and healthy LeBron is – a playoff team, at least a playoff caliber team. They kind of put themselves in a hole. But even, I mean, they lost to who in the they lost to who in the playoffs? Suns. Suns. They went to the finals. It, it wasn't like they lost to a team that you know didn't end up maybe out four. That's the rest of the regular season. He already been hooping. Uh, it's a it's. I'm gonna have to go with the Randy Jackson. It's a no for me, dog. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna hurt my heart to see LeBron watching the playoffs from couch but damn they are in a i mean no lebron and no tom brady bro the, the Cavs gonna get to the eastern conference finals this year and then they're gonna trade for lebron again get him back next year watch now changing topics staying in the western conference though looking at the hometown grizzlies team with a team that's 42 and 20 with the third best record in the nba so looking at this grizzlies team what would y'all say is the ceiling for them in the playoffs. Man, got to give it to Terror Squad, Fat Joe status. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Talking about 46 on the road in the house that Jordan built against the guy that's a leader in the MVP clubhouse in DeRozan. Got on smacking down Gatorade cans after the game. And then literally a couple hours ago, I'm talking about a 52-piece versus my guy, 
he didn't score all of the damn points against DeJounte, but still, you got all, he's 50, 50 against a guy that's supposed to be all defensive team. Very impressive nonetheless. Man, John Morant has said that he feels like he's the best player in the league. And a year ago, crazy. Six months ago, still hearsay. Now, very possible. Very possible. Yes. Limited defensively, maybe so. Jumper not all the way figured out, also a thing. But you got a guy that appears to be the best young point guard since Jay Williams said he has dead road athleticism and ally versus body. Like, come on, dude. That's, you know, there is no ceiling on where the team can go. You got a MVP candidate, got a guy in a guy, Jaron Jackson, that looks like a unicorn. Desmond Bain could have been an all star team. Kyle Anderson, blue guy, Brandon Clark, bouncy, athletic, dirty work guy. Like, you know, this is one of my play, favorite teams to play with on 2K because there is no holes in this team. Literally no holes. Even the white boys. Shout out to Jitty. Like, Ceiling, none whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of you, bro. But I'm going to take it from a different angle, bro. You said there are no holes. This is one of the few teams in the NBA. You got four guys averaging over 15 points, bro. You got Jai 27, Dylan Brooks at 18.4, Desmond Bain at 17.7, and Triple J at 16.6. And you look at it, Dylan Brooks has only played 21 games so far. So getting him back is going to be a major boost to this Grizzlies team. And then kind of like you said, no holes on this team. Any player, 1 through 12, 1 through 15, whatever, they can come in and contribute to this Grizzlies team. And one of the things I'd like to credit to that is the uh, prevalence of the hustle and the way that these players kind of move in between both. Because you remember when we had the COVID outbreak, when Ja missed those games, the team went 8-0 and in that stretch without Ja. So this team is a well-organized team, well-put-together team. And, yes, Ja is the MVP, but it's the guys around him that really makes this team go. And like you said, I think this team has no ceiling. I think Western Conference Finals is just about a lock. Uh, championship. Yeah, that's that's two rounds of the playoffs you got to win. Yeah. Never want to say that's a lock, but. I mean, in my opinion, in my opinion, personally, I think, the Grizzlies I think are a better team than the Warriors, and I think seven games Grizzlies beat the Warriors. I think that's their biggest hurdle to face in terms of making it to the Western Conference Finals. But I think if you look at this Western Conference, the Grizzlies have beaten these teams time in and time out throughout this season. And you got a guy like Ja leading the NBA in points in the paint. And he's it just, it just doesn't make any sense, bro. This is a guy that has scored 20-plus points in the paint 20 times this season, bro. No matter what the defense does, any of that, you can't stop Ja, bro. And once you started Justin trying to condense the paint, you now have shooters around him, which is something Memphis has lacked. You got guys like Triple J. You got guys like Ben. You got guys like Brooks who can stand out on the wing and hit those shots when it's needed to. Melton, too. So I think this is a team that is built for the playoffs. They say, just like in football, running the ball in defense, that can go anywhere. In the NBA, paint points can go anywhere. Because if you don't get the points in the paint, you're going to get the points at the free throw line. You don't get the points at the paint, you're going to get the points at the three-point line. That's just how the NBA game works. And I think this game will transfer easily to the playoffs. And that's why I say they're a Western Conference Finals lock. I mean, just, I'm going to let you go, Vance. To me, when you say a lock, that sounds like you get something to lock for. I'm disappointed if they don't reach, go this far. And I, I mean, like I said, top three seed, look like they have home court advantage through at least to the Washington Conference Finals. 
but it's still the NBA playoffs. Still competing against Steph Curry, still competing against Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic. Anything can happen. I, I, I would hesitate to put a lock by Western Conference Finals. All right, bro. Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, John Morant. These are literally the four most exciting players I, I've ever seen, and John Morant is on that stratosphere now. Just like the most exciting crazy? players I've ever seen. Number one is Kobe. Yeah. I was gonna say John Morant's more exciting than Kobe Bryant to me. No cap. I, I mean, bro, exciting <laughs> to watch. I, in my eyes, what what I've seen is Kobe one, Jaw two, LeBron three, Steph four. Like Jaw's like he's literally on that. That I've seen with my eyes, he's on that stratosphere. It's just every on Twitter, literally all I saw was John Morant. I've never seen – I remember, bro, it's just like the Grizzlies have been very good in the past, bro. But it, back in the day, a Grizzly scoring 30 points was like a Grizzly scoring 40 points. Oh, God. Like Mike Conley yeah. dropped Future 30. Not tweeting out highlights of them Z-bounds or Marcus All post-ups. Facts, that wasn't... I mean, bro, they, great teams. But the, the, excite, the excitement I've ever seen for a team, this is probably – this is the most excited I've ever been for a Grizzlies team, bro. And I think in the, when the playoffs come, it's going to come down to uh, are they one of those teams that's going to take the next step, like how the Warriors were able to take it eventually, or are they going to be a team that's uh, dwindling in the middle like the Rockets when they had T-Mex, or the Mavericks with uh, Dirk Nowitzki forever until they finally won it, or are they going to be a team that takes the next step, just like the Bucs took the next step last season when they finally got that championship. And in my eyes, I think they're ready, bro, because the way they, they play so hard, and Jaws a killer. Fourth quarter comes. I, you can play outside ball or you can continue to play team ball. They can do it either way. You slow down, they can beat you. You want to speed it up, we're going to run you out the gym. I, and I think the championship is their ceiling. Yeah, and, uh, and to your point, Vance, I think Taylor Jenkins is definitely one of the best coaches in the league. You look at the way he's able to draw up plays, get creative with those screen and rolls, those pin downs to create easy uh, paint points. I think the Grizzlies, like you said, are primed to have an unlimited ceiling. But now – we're going to flip the page, go over to the Eastern Conference where things in the playoff race are looking a little tight. You know what I'm saying? There's only – there are only five games separating seeds, one through six in the East. So, looking at this very tight East playoff race, who do y'all think is the best team in the East right now? Man, that's a very uh, very loaded question right there, Mr. Hayes. And uh, – um, Taking on a more macro level, uh, for a majority of our lifetime, I think the Western Conference has been the more dominant conference, and I think the East has been on a come up for a couple of years. But this is the first year I can say that the East is, I think, like significantly better than the Western Conference. Just looking yeah, hold, at the standings hold. right now. How? The three best teams record-wise are in the West. So how do you say? Just looking at the standings. Like, hey, you just mentioned there's a lot more – there's a lot bigger gaps – and between different teams in the uh, in the east, the east, in the west, the east right now is decided. The the top team, the first seed, the Heat have forty one wins. The uh, seventh seed, the Raptors have 37, 34, 33 wins. Not that big of a gap between a team at the top of the conference and a team fighting for a playoff spot. And I'm just I'm saying, look at the roster. Even you get down to playing slash. You know, rebuilding team. You got Atlanta, Eastern Conference Finals, ninth seed. Hornets, one of the most exciting teams in the league right now. Wizards, 
playing team last year, Knicks, playoff team last year, Pacers have a record of being good. The only two teams in the East that you really kind of just disregard are uh, Detroit and Orlando. So, yeah, man, I think that the East is kind of really tight right now because there's a lot of good teams. But um, you said your question was, who is the best team in the East right now? Yeah. So, who's the best team right now? Not who I think is going to champion. Who's the best team right now? Yeah. Uh, Chicago. DeRozan playing at MVP level. Levine being his best sidekick. Um, really, DeRozan. DeRozan, what, eight games in a row at 35 points or more, joining Bernard, Jordan, Elgin Baylor. Like, a very exclusive list. Um, I don't think it works in the playoffs because I just think the if you're not Kobe – LeBron, Kobe, Kawhi, or MJ, you're not a scoring officially from the uh, the mid range, but uh, nah, look, Chicago looks a lot like Memphis. Talking about you got your guy, DeRozan's your guy. You got your other guy, Levine, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, whoever you want that to be. That's their other guy, Caruso, Lonzo Ball, defense, shooting, Pedro Williams if he ever comes back. They're much better version of Zaire Williams, Vucevic, all-star in Orlando. So, you know, there's a reason why, you know, a lot of people was high on this team in the preseason, you know, and they're clicking right now. And they're doing the Memphis thing where they're succeeding. I mean, not, not without their best player, but two of their starters in Caruso and Lonzo Ball. What say you, Vance? What say you, bro? Man, the, the Bulls is a good pick. Uh, I, I agree with you on the sentiment that all of these teams are so close together. And so I, I was going back and forth with so many teams. At first, I thought – I was thinking the Bulls, but I was like, they haven't done it. So, eh. And then that, that made me think Miami. But then uh, I'm just going to go with the team. I believe in the saying, to beat a man, you got to beat the man. So I'm, I'm rocking with the, the world champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. They got the best player uh, – they got the best player in the world, bro. The most dominant player in the world, literally, he he can run go to go in what five steps, probably less than that. Like I've really? never seen anything. He's a he's a freak of nature. He ain't got and no I, swag I'm, with I, it though. You said what? He ain't got no swag with it though. Nah, he don't, bro. But he, he'll give you know you what swaggy? A chip and a Finals MVP. That's enough swag. Facts. And he got a he got a BJ Bill, bro. I've never seen anything like it. Bro. I need a <laughs> <to that>. What? <laughs> Come on, what? Whoa. Hey, you whoa. ain't seen the bill, bro? Make sure you oh, make sure you post a picture of the bill. I guess. I guess. Yeah, bro. Hold on. You DJ, that you the VJ stands for what I think it stands for? Yeah. Yeah, he got so a bill. He, he read it. When he, and yeah. this nigga talking about this nigga need somebody that's not swaggy. For me, my best team out the east is the team currently in the one seed. It's the Miami Heat. A team that's 40 and 21, and a team that's played Bro, a lot of this season. A team, a team that's played a lot of this season without their best players. Jimmy Butler has missed 19 games. Kyle Lowry has missed 13 games. Adebayo has missed 25 games. And Aladipo has yet to play this year. And that's it could be a major X factor for them, especially when it comes to infusing more scoring into that team. So looking at this team, like I said, they're first in the East. But for the Heat, everything starts on defense. And that's kind of been Eric Spolster's recipe since he's been in South Beach. The Heat are currently fifth in points allowed, only giving up 104.8 points per game. And they're sixth in point differential on the season with a plus 4.6. And then you look at this Heat team. This is a Heat team on, on the offensive side of the ball. 
that focuses on a lot of ball movement. The ball moves around, finds the open shooters, finds the open man. And that's why they're sixth in the league in assists. However, once you get a guy like Aladipo back, you get more ISO scoring, more more easy buckets come that crunch time. You know what I'm saying? You got Jimmy Butler. You got Kyle Lowry. Adding Aladipo as that third closer, that third perimeter star that could really make this Heat team the the best team in the East by far. And that's why I say that Heat, I'm going to stick with it, bro. I think this is the best team in the East, and I think they have a legitimate chance to make it back to the championship for Jimmy Butler's second they, time. You think they're better than the Bucs? What makes them better than last year? Jimmy Butler can put Giannis in a, in a chokehold. And what also what makes them better than last year is just, like, I think we saw it on both sides, Lakers and Heat, the bubble fatigue, the late season, all of that. And I think uh, just kind of getting Tyler Hero back in his groove this year will be major for the Heat coming down the stretch, especially in the playoffs. As always, another episode of No Cap Sports, another edition of Game Balls. Got to give my game ball to James Harden, man. My man's got free from Brooklyn. Got away from Kyrie. All that Sage was messing with his allergies. And he got to Philly, and he started hooping again. We saw who James Harden was. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 16 assists, and a big Sunday win over the Knicks. Uh, he looks right right at home in Philadelphia, and that James Harden and B pick and roll is going to be something to watch for uh, the next few years. Definitely agree. Uh, my guys, I got a two-for-one special like it's the grocery store. Um, two guys that are effective in the pick and roll and continue with the college basketball theme, especially now that it's technically March, March Madness, LOL. Um, two guys that you're going to need to know for the tournament. James Akinjo and J.D. Note, man. So J.D. Note, senior guard at Arkansas, James Akinjo, senior guard at Baylor. Kind of similar paths for these guys, two guys that uh, have found homes after having transferred a couple times. J.D. Note making the um, – the, the quote-unquote leap from um, Jacksonville University to Arkansas, um, and then Jay Lacunjo off-traveled, having started at um, Georgetown, then working his way to Arizona, now at Baylor. And, uh, man, I've, small guards have success, especially in the NCAA tournament. Trey Young, Steph Curry, um, I can't think of anyone right off the grip, but it's kind of a well-known fact. Smaller guards play – they succeed in the NCAA tournament, spacing, shooting, you know, you know, the NCAA tournament as a one loss in your out type of thing kind of lends itself to um, a lot of guys playing above their head. But uh, J.D. Note, you know, kind of been keeping Arkansas bubbling all year. Not that much help around him. He takes 33% of their shots, which is crazy for a 6'1 dude. And, uh, yeah, last – a couple weeks ago they beat Auburn. Number one team in the country at Bill Walton talking about we've seen the highlights, the the the, the fireworks going off, all that. And they just kind of did it again, man, with another big win at home over Kentucky. The dude JT Note had 31, 30, and eight assists. Very hard to do in 40 minutes of basketball, which shows you A, he played basically all 40 minutes of me. Um, what kind of stuff he did. You know, this is a dude that scored all three levels at the rim, mid-range, three point. This dude can get off a shot at any time. And you know, Arkansas is asking the dude, take and make as many shots as he can, which is a little different from uh, James Acunjo. He's a guy, like I said, three times, third school he's at in Baylor, all Pac 12, 
Pac-12 all-conference team last year, Arizona averaged over 15 points a game. But I think this is the first time he's been a part of a winning basketball. Um, a guy that's always been a ball-dominant guy. He's never averaged more than – less than 15 points in his career outside of his freshman year. And this is the first time he's at Baylor right now shooting the lowest percentage of his career over at 30%. Least amount of points he's ever scored in his career, yet he's on a national title – a national title – chip contender as the undisputed guy. Now this again, he kind of similar to Note. Small guards succeed in the NCAA. Small guard 6-1 can shoot, can facilitate, can get to any spot on the court with his dribble and his uh his playmaking ability. So again, these are the guys that I project as first rounders in, in the uh in the NBA draft, but two solid college guards right now, especially this time of the year, hard to uh, hard to go with two better than JD Note and James Acunjo. Okay, uh, I like those picks. I'm gonna go with a guy. Uh, I'm really surprised that none of us took a uh, job of rent. You know, he just dropped 52 points, but nevertheless, I'm gonna go with another guy that's a part of uh, Hoop City, representing the city uh, with Memphis and from on, on the front of his jersey. And that's uh, Armani Bates. He's a bit injured. You know, uh, if you just go on Twitter, social media, anything, bro, you're gonna see Armani uh, getting clowned, getting made fun of on uh on social media, you know, he's a uh, he's a cancer to the team. Uh, he's not very good. Y'all, 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 y'all just saw Josh's face, but uh, he's kept a great attitude, you know, just being a great teammate. Supporting his, his uh, teammates, uh, particularly as they make this run towards the tournament, bro, I, and I love to see him stay. Uh, with that being said, also game ball goes to the Memphis Tigers. Just went on a grueling three-game trip and came out 2-1. Got the big win, the signature win against Houston. That's another notch on your belt. Then you go and uh, take care of Cincinnati. Uh, you know, you took the loss to SNU, but you did what you what you needed to do in that three-game trip. And so, you know, shout-out to the Tigers. Shout-out to Imani Bates. And so, just like that, that wraps up another episode of No Cap Sports. Make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe. Follow us on the socials, man. And just like that, yet again, we out of here. Just because it's not Black History Month, don't start being mean to black people. You just treat every month like it's February. Yeah, like them folks in Ukraine. They wouldn't.